I don't think the average person even knows what's going on with that. Right. I mean, uh, and not only do they not know, they don't care. I, I don't have any friends who are, uh, I mean, everybody who is a good friend of mine knows I'm all into this, and I've been saying the banks are going to fail for years. Um, you know, so maybe I've been like Chicken Little saying the sky's falling for too long. But uh, I, I don't have anyone really bring that up ever, except except Bitcoiners. Hello, guys. Welcome once again to BitCorner, the podcast for Bitcoiners from El Salvadorian to the world. Today, we have the great pleasure, the pleasure to talk with Gary Leland. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and welcome. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to uh, come on the show. I definitely am. I want to get into El Salvador. I, nothing else. I know I'm going down there for the uh, having party. So uh, that'll be the latest I'll be getting there, hopefully. Wow, that's so cool. You will enjoy El Salvador. Have you never been there before? No, I haven't. Uh, everybody I know that has gone, though, says how much they've enjoyed it. I haven't had anyone <laughs> say anything, but it was great. So mm. um, I'm looking forward to it completely. Well, we'll talk a, a bit, a, a little bit of El Salvador, but you will, you will enjoy it. Uh, not just uh, El Sante, Bitcoin Beach, uh, and San Salvador, that it's where the Bitcoin adoption is. Basically, the Bitcoin circular economy, but the other city that are... Uh, in the way to be fully adopted Bitcoin. You will love the country. It's really beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know I will. I know I will. For sure. So, so uh, but you're in El Salvador. I mean, you're in Barcelona. Yeah, I live I live in Barcelona, but I was born you are, and raised. Yeah. I was born and raised in El Salvador. Uh, my family is from Santa Ana, and I was born in San Salvador. And then I came here. <laughs> well, I'll be in Barcelona this summer in September, so maybe we'll run up at September. Yeah, absolutely. We will do. We will do a show then uh, in in person. That will be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. That that's a good news. <laughs> so, Gary, maybe for the people that don't know you, uh, could you introduce a, a, a little bit about yourself and talk a little bit about your background, and uh, we will continue. Sure. Sure. I'm just the, you know, I'm a, I've am been around a long time, 68, so I'm a boomer, I guess. Uh, a lot of people kind of call me and my handle's kind of the Bitcoin boomer. But, um, you know, I, I founded the BitBlock Boom Bitcoin Conference. This is going into its sixth year in Austin, Texas. That's what most people in Bitcoin know me for is the BitBlock Boom Conference. It's a Bitcoin maximalist conference. So um, it's not a Bitcoin conference, it's Bitcoin maximalist conference. So, um, you know, it's I just about Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, I think most Bitcoin conferences, as long as you deal in Bitcoin, you can be there. You know, you could be doing a lot of other things, but my conference is for Bitcoin. So it's like we don't have exchanges as sponsors, for instance, because, you know, 99% what an exchange does is shitcoin, you know. So, I mean, you know, so they can't be a sponsor. They got way too many shitcoins to be at Bitblock Boom. But uh, Bitblock Boom's in Austin. Like I said, it's our sixth year. You know, we didn't shut down for covid uh we had one even during covid so that technically wow. made us the longest running bitcoin conference because everybody else stopped you know that year so we technically had the longest running bitcoin conference 
and because the, the, the year we kept going. So, uh, no, the, the date uh, of the, the conference is in August, yeah. right? I think it's in uh, Austin, Texas. No, 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 but and, the, the um, date twenty seventh. No, twenty fourth. Yeah, it's like it's like the twenty fourth through the twenty eighth. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in August, I think 24th to the 28th. Um, you know, we have a lot of events we uh, put on, dinners, parties, blah, blah, blah. But it's um, turned out to be one of the staples, you know, uh, on the list that most people with their Bitcoiners want to attend. And if that anyone sounds- is interested in um, finding out more about it, just go to bitblockboom.com. And if you're interested in coming, use the code Gary, and that'll give you an extra discount, G-A-R-Y. But that's what I'm, I'm mostly known for in the Bitcoin space. And I started e-commerce in 96 uh, mm-hmm. with my first e-commerce site. When everybody said I was stupid, people wouldn't buy stuff on the internet. And I said, well, I would buy stuff on the internet. I, I know people were selling stuff on the internet, but most people weren't really even aware of what the internet was yet, much less selling stuff. There were no yeah, Amazon started... or so. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a lot easier to sell stuff back then. Yeah. You know, you could, uh, you know, my first site was a wallpaper website that like the paper that goes in your walls, you know, you decorate mm-hmm. with. And oh. to be number one, I think back then the big search engines were Hotbot and InfoSeek. You type on the bottom, you know, you'd have a white background. So I type on the bottom under all the words, the word wallpaper, you know, like a hundred times and I'd be number one. <laughs> and I look, and if I was number two, I just add another hundred, and I'd move back up to number one. So SEO was pretty easy back in the day. Uh, you just had to add the word on the website a lot of times. That's so uh, my big my biggest competitor was uh, wallpaper screens, you know, backgrounds uh, for your computer. <laughs> that was my biggest competitor. Then uh, that's I, I started podcasting in two thousand four, and everybody said that podcasting that's stupid. No one's going to listen to those. Everybody's got a radio in their car. And I said, well, yes, I would yeah. listen to it, so I'm going to do it. And I ended up going into the Podcast Hall of Fame as one of the first 50 podcasters. Oh, wow. And I feel like I, I felt like when I got into Bitcoin, I was kind of late, you know, but getting in in 2017. But uh, during my promotion, also. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, now that I understand Bitcoin, I feel I'm still that everybody's still early. You know, yeah, even if you get in today, you're early. Yeah, absolutely. Just but, like, but everybody told me I was stupid to do that. That was just made up internet money, you know. So I'm I'm used <laughs> to being told I'm stupid, and I guess I'm bullheaded. I just do it anyway. Wow. That's that's the short brief of it. All right, all right, perfect. No, but you know, it's 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 never it's never too late to to understand Bitcoin. That's that's definitely one thing. And uh, actually, I'm glad they're, they're from my promotion too, because I first heard about Bitcoin in university and then I uh, put it on the side for, for a while because I understood it. I, I studied it um, in my career. One of the subjects, one of the topics was blockchain and it was kind of related. So I didn't like that much. But then back um, a few years later, I talk about Bitcoin uh, with my sister and my and my dad, and both are they have different way different careers. You know, I'm an engineer. My sister uh, is from the from finance, and my my dad is a doctor. So, and uh, the the three of us were like uh, right into Bitcoin and came from different uh, point of views. That's what hit to me, and I was like, hmm, there's something in here, and that's what uh, brought me back to Bitcoin in 2017. So, yeah. Actually, they orange pill me. You know? <laughs> uh, that's good. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, normally it's the other way around. And uh, and I'm glad that one of the person that actually fully orange pill was my dad. Uh, he's not that maxi, but he's a defender of Bitcoin. He gets it. And so. Um, well, that is kind of unusual. Your dad would orange pill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the one, that's the one thing. So, uh, and then, well, Saifuddin made a really awesome job also explaining the history of money. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I see, I see that uh, I'm looking at the, the website, the Bit, Bitblock Boom. Uh, I see that you're going mm -hmm. to have really awesome Bitcoiners like Jimmy Son and Natalie Brunel that were here also in, in the podcast. You're going to... Yeah, we have a big lineup there. We really do. Um, we have quite a lineup there. And... and... And, uh, you know, Bitblock Boom does everything on one stage. You know, we don't break it up into a lot of different stages because, you know, some mm -hmm. people do two, three, four stages of people. And then yeah. you're going, I want to see Jimmy and I want to see Natalie. And they're both at the same time, maybe. So you got to decide. This way you get to see everybody. That's cool. Uh, that's why you also have more days, right? Like four days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I um, think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so one day of workshops or half day, Thursdays, half day of workshops. Friday's a full day, conference day of speakers one after another. Saturday's a full conference day of speakers one after another. And then Sunday really is just, uh, it's really over Sunday, but we do a brunch Sunday morning because a lot of people's flights aren't until later in the afternoon and that way, and they want to get some more networking in. They don't want to just sit in their hotel room. Yeah, so absolutely. we have a Bitcoin brunch so people can come and eat breakfast, drink some coffee or whatever, and sit around talking about Bitcoin for a few more hours before they head back out. Wow, that's awesome! And talking about Bitcoin, uh, can you share with your with our audience a little bit about your uh, rabbit hole journey? And if you had several aha moments, or if you had one aha moment, when was the time that you click and you said, "Aha, this is this is something way different than than the other well, shit?" <laughs> I had been I had been told about Bitcoin back uh, several years before I was orange pilled, but the person who was describing it to me described it as online stocks. <laughs> and I wasn't interested in that at all, you know, finding about online stocks. So every time I see him, I give him a hard time for, you know, he probably cost me millions of dollars, you know, by telling me it was online stocks. And he goes, well, I thought you'd understand that being an old guy. <laughs> I'm going, well, yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> but when I finally got into it, I was speaking at a conference about podcasting, I think. And I was walking down the hall and some friends of mine were talking about Bitcoin. And uh, they were all talking and I came in halfway in the conversation and, and all my friends left except the guy who was explaining Bitcoin. And I asked them, I said, hey, uh, I'm interested in what you had to say because he described, he described Bitcoin as an internet protocol. Mm -hmm. And by that time, you know, I had started my e-commerce businesses in 96. And by that time I had maybe 20 e-commerce websites. So mm -hmm. uh, I found the internet protocol interesting. So I wanted to find out more about that. He was saying it was the only internet protocol, the missing internet protocol for money. So we sat down and talked. I think it was one o'clock in the afternoon and at six o'clock, the conference was over and we were still sitting on the couch talking. And uh, I, we went, we left, I went home. I listened to a podcast on the way home about it. I had about an hour drive. When I got home, I called and messaged them and said, hey, are you going to be at the conference again tomorrow? And he said, yes, I am. I wasn't planning on going back, but I said, hey, can we talk about Bitcoin some more? I'll come over there if you have time. He said, sure. 
So I drove back over, um, listened to a podcast on the way there about Bitcoin. And when I got there, we sat down and talked about Bitcoin for about two hours. And he invited me to his house. He was mining at his house and looked at his mining machines. And he helped me buy uh, $10 worth of Bitcoin, you know, so I could actually do the process, help mm -hmm. me set up an account, transfer it over to uh, uh, Open Dime. I still have that open dime with that $10 worth of Bitcoin somewhere. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, I, well, I know where it's at. I don't know why I say somewhere. I know where it's at. But I still have that $10 worth of Bitcoin and on that same open dime. But when I left that night and, and came back home, well, of course, I listened to another podcast about Bitcoin. And I got home and I went to... Um, oh, I can't even remember where I went. I can't think of the name of the where I went. But anyway, I went online and, and started buying Bitcoin, you know, uh, in, in pretty good amounts because yeah. I was, uh, I, I understood it. I mean, we, we talked about it so long and it just needed to be explained to me and something I understood and online stocks. I think not only did I, well, I don't think it's hard to understand online stocks, but I just didn't care about online stocks. Yeah. You know, but when I heard <laughs> internet protocol, it sounds stupid to say, but um, I don't hear many people say that, but I guess I was so involved with an, building e-commerce sites at that time that that peaked my ear oh, okay. you know i was going oh we're missing something for my websites i need to find out what it is you know yeah absolutely <laughs> that's cool and uh but wow well, you know one of the things that i love the uh, of the people that uh what now are fully orange build is that uh they had different backgrounds but somehow uh, something resonates in their head and says mm -hmm, okay Let's let's find out what's going on about this topic. What what is Bitcoin? And then, uh, once you start your your rabbit hole journey, there's no way back, right? <laughs> so you're right. you're going even deeper and deeper. So, uh, uh, it's it's a a long uh, path and sometimes uh, lonely until until you find out that there. Basically, that's the path that every Bitcoiner had, and until we build this community. <laughs> And uh, one of the questions that I want to ask you is that, well, since you that you live in in Texas, um, I have seen. Have you seen the article in a, uh, the recent a couple of years ago, uh, years ago, weeks ago, that the New York Times that they were saying about the the Bitcoin miners are were like affecting the the environment and the the climate change and everything. What are your thoughts yeah. about that? Well, I think that's BS. Um, <laughs> I think they. I think there's a lot more things that are. I guess it, it's possible it could be affecting it, but you know, they say there's more uh, energy wasted with Christmas lights than yeah. there is with Bitcoin miners, and they don't serve any function at all. Um, where Bitcoin serves a much needed function, not just a function, a function needed. Um, there's no reason that. That uh, the government should have monopoly on your money, you know. Um, to me, Bitcoin serves a pretty strong function that's definitely needed. And in Texas, is, is uh, I just compared... think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And a lot of the Bitcoin mining uh, down here in Texas is starting to be done with the. Uh, you know, they're really starting to move into the world. They're using flare gas. 
you know, since we have so many wells here, and that's the, if you're familiar with mining uh, or oil drilling or gas drilling, that's, you see a lot of times them burning that stuff off into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is definitely not good for the environment, mm-hmm. burning that gas off into the atmosphere. Absolutely. So if they can take that and put that in a gas generator and mine Bitcoin with it instead, well, that's actually better for the environment. Um, so like I said, I think that's just um, people who either have an agenda or people who don't know what they're talking about and haven't taken the time to do their research, but they just heard it and it sounded good to them. Absolutely. I'm, I agree. And uh, actually, I was talking with uh, Margot Pais. She is a Bitcoiner also. And uh, she's a, a, an engineer, uh, a civil engineer. And we were talking about this. Uh, so they actually, she had a, she has a team that actually um, uh, passed uh, some information to the U.S. government when the, they were requiring this, uh, these uh, papers that they want to research about Bitcoin. And uh, she told me that they didn't get a response, uh, but at least they they read their their research about about mining bitcoin uh, and you know what she told me that in fact it's like one percent or less the impact on the climate so as, as you mentioned it's like bs <laughs> and if they made a research it's, it's really bad they made it like yeah really it's total bad. total bs <laughs> yeah you don't have to spend but you know i don't think the news we were talking about doing your research and finding out. I don't think, and I'm not, I was going to say the news, but I don't think many people do their research anymore. Mm. Uh, I think people just see Thank a tweet granted. or see a post and they go, oh yeah, that sounds right. I know that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and they post it and then someone else sees them post it and they post it. And before long, you got thousands of people posting something that makes no sense. You know, if you've done the research, you realize it makes no sense. So in today's times, not only are we short on our capacity to uh, um, use long-form media, (laughs) we're short on our capacity to do long-term research. You know, um, we just don't care to do it anymore. People don't care to do it anymore. They just want to see what they can get some posts to get some clicks, get some followers. Absolutely. And I, I have a question because norm, I, I was thinking that normally and usually uh, I was I was thinking about my, my orange peeling and you mentioned that it was it's really curious that my dad orange peeled me. But uh, I'm going to ask you because I think you're the right person to ask. But what do uh, boomers, as you mentioned, need to know about Bitcoin? Uh, if they are they are curious, imagine that they don't know anything about Bitcoin. That they, they just heard about Bitcoin. So. Uh, First, what they need to know, and if they're if they're curious, uh, how do you recommend or any advice to start uh, this this journey, this rabbit hole journey? Well, you know, I get asked this a lot, I guess, because I'm a boomer, and <laughs> um, that's the number one reason. It makes a lot of sense, you know. Bo- you know, the thing is, you, the older people get, let's just face it, this is a fact. I found this out and I realized this when I was young and nothing's changed and it won't change 50 years from now. When people get old, they just don't want to change. They don't. <laughs> They're used to doing something. It's ingrained in them. 
yeah, sure, there are some people that don't mind changing. Like, I don't mind change, obviously. That's why I'm into Bitcoin and I have been into new technology as fast as I could. I don't know if call it technology, but I've tried to move with the times. But many people don't want to change at all, especially once you get old, you kind of get set in your ways and you don't want to change your habits. You don't want to change your time unless you're forced to. So that's just a natural progression of life. It happened to my parents, happened to me. It'll happen to you. It'll happen to your kids. As they get old, they'll they'll go, I'm set in my ways. And let's face it, boomers are set in their ways. They've been making money and saving money a certain way for many years now. And it's hard for them to justify the fact on changing it for something that they're not familiar with. And if you've been saving money your whole life, you know, you really just don't want to throw it into something you don't know anything about. I mean, and take a chance on it. It's like, to them, it's like going to Vegas and spinning the crap wheel. They just don't want to do it. So the main thing is that the two things I say about that is number one is you need to get them just to put a little bit in there, you know, buy $10 a week, $20 a week, hundred dollars a week, whatever they can afford. And they won't miss if it went to zero, you know, they say, Hey, I can afford $10 a week. Well, fine, let's do it. That's a couple packs of cigarettes. Hell it might be a whole pack where you're at. I don't know what cigarettes are. It's almost a whole pack here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, um, but I have found from experience, if you can get someone to do that, and we're going to use the $10 amount, if you can get, no matter how old they are, if you can get them to say, hey, I could afford $10, it wouldn't affect me at all, my lifestyle. That's and you can get them to start uh, dollar cost averaging, you know, where they're just buying it automatically. It it really gets them some skin in the game. And that's what's real important is that skin in the game. Because once they have some skin in the game, and they're not worried about losing that now, so they don't mind doing it. But once they get some skin in the game, they, they start watching it. You know, because they're doing it every week. One time is not enough to buy it once. That won't work because they'll just do it and forget about it and let it sit there. But if they're getting it every week, they get an email or a message. They just bought $10 worth. So they look at it and say, well, I wonder how that's doing. And a month from now, they go, oh, I wonder how that's doing. And before you know long, they look at it and they go, oh, my gosh, this is going up a lot. <laughs> so they start really try to learn about it because they've seen it in action. And then yeah. the next thing you know, they're calling you up going, Hey, I just bought uh, $5,000 worth, you know, uh, cause I see what's going on here and I think I need to get some skin in the game. So to me, I don't know if that's what they need to know, but they need to get some skin in the game because then they'll learn the rest. No matter how much you talk to them till you're blue in the face, you can't get that skin in the game your chances are really much slimmer than if you can get them just to buy a little bit on a regular basis, even if it's $5 a week or $5 a month, they can get some skin in the game on a regular business. They're going to get orange pilled most of the time. Um, so that's the thing. And also another big point to make, if you're trying to orange pill a uh, boomer or I guess the boomers are the top of the heap. Now, I don't think the, uh, the greatest generation or whatever the hell they call the people older than me. I don't think any of those cats are around. If they are, they're probably using a drool cup. They probably <laughs> can't really talk much. But another thing to realize is that most boomers, majority of boomers are real concerned with leaving money to their kids and grandkids. They really are. I know a ton of people who have a lot of money that live almost like paupers because they're saving everything for their kids who don't need it. You know, and their kids are doing fine without them. They should be spending that money and enjoying the last 10 or 20 years of their life. 
But instead, they're living like paupers because they want to leave their house and all this money to their kids, whatever they have. So if you can approach them on the fact that putting a little bit in there and they're putting it in there for their grandkids, you know, because let's face it, it's probably the odds of Bitcoin getting to a million dollars during their lifetime if they're 70 is kind of not really there. You know, most of them are starting to conk off at 70. So, um, but if you can convince them, talk to them about how they're investing in that, that orange, investing that much or dollar cost averaging that much so they can leave it to their grandkids who by the time their grandkids are 25, you know, their grandkids five and by the time their grandkids 25, it could be worth a million dollars. Yeah, that's true. So they're happy for that suggestion. That's a suggestion they'll go with. So <laughs> like I said, get them some skin in the game, convince them it's for their grandkids, not them. And you got uh, an yeah. excellent chance to get them to move on that. All right. <laughs> All right. So to say that is, is a good way is to, uh, make it touch the nerve to them <laughs> yeah the grandkids will do it they want like i said they love leaving money if they have no wealth you know then they're probably not buying much bitcoin in it but i found even people with just a small amount of money still are concerned you know whether they have a lot or a little most people are concerned with leaving money or wealth or something for their ancestors to make life better for them that's just maybe that's a a a genetic thing that we all want to help out our lineage but the majority of people no matter what their wealth is would like to leave something for their kids and grandkids to make it easier for them and so like i said if you can tell them by the time their grandkids grow up it'll be worth a million dollars possibly and they're only paying you know a much smaller amount than that they probably would jump on board and start buying some yeah absolutely yeah i i think i agree I think that that is a good approach, and you know, uh, changing changes a little bit uh, the subject. Um, but I'm really curious because, uh, and especially when when my my guest is from the United States, uh, I really want to know your point of view because you live there. But uh, actually, this is one of the things that I was talking uh, a few weeks ago with Natalie Smolensky. Um, that I want to I want to know your point of view about what's going on with the with the banks right now because um, she told me that it's way different than what happens in, in 2008 because in 2008 um, people were furious with banks but now people are start starting to realize that the banks are not the problem that are not the source of the problem it's the state so what are your thoughts because I'm talking about for example what happened with SBB and the other banks that went background. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think personally I could be wrong, but I don't think the average person even knows what's going on with that. All right. I mean, uh, and not only do they not know, they don't care. I I don't have any friends who are. Uh, I mean, everybody who is a good friend of mine knows I'm all into this, and I've been saying the banks are going to fail for years. Um, you know, so maybe I've been like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling for too long. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't have anyone really bring that up ever, except except Bitcoiners. And mm -hmm. we, as Bitcoiners, are more aware of what's going on. I mean, let's face it, once you become a Bitcoiner, 
you learn things about money you never knew. I mean, you never knew what money was. You thought you knew because you have some money, you spend money, you make money. So you thought you knew what money was. But once you become a Bitcoiner for uh, you really, I don't think anyone can really become a Bitcoiner and not go down that rabbit hole and start discovering money. And you start listening to podcasts about money or reading books about money or watching when you're watching the news that they bring up something about money, you, you look and pay more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I truly don't believe most of my friends have any idea what's going on with money. They have no idea what's going on with these banks. They see some banks fail. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them. And, uh, you know, uh, the FDIC is insuring everybody's money. Uh, in the banks. I mean, they're going to run out of that soon because they don't have enough to insure everybody's money at every bank. Now we have another bank. I think they announced yesterday another bank is uh, in trouble here. Really? Um, but but yeah, yeah, there's another bank. I can't remember the name of it. I saw it last night on uh, one of the mm. YouTube shows I watched. There's another bank that's in trouble right now. Um, their stock dropped to like maybe 30% or something yesterday. A large percentage. Cool. They'll hold me to the amount. I can't. If I heard a name, I would know the bank, but I, it was not a bank I was familiar with. Let me put it that way. Um, uh, but there's going to be another bank, uh, from what I understand. So, but I guarantee you, if I call ten of my friends right now, not even just my age, just ten people I know right now in my neighborhood would say and say, "Hey, can you name any bank that's going out of business this year?" <laughs> Gonna go. I don't know. Did some go out of business? I mean, they're not even going to be aware. So, um, it's a, you know, I, I think it's a lot worse than it was, you know, uh, our past time we had the banking crisis. I it think was, time, uh, sorry, it was, uh, Back West Bank, maybe or not? What was it? Back West Bank or yes. First Republic Bank? Well, First Republic Bank was a while ago. I think it's Pac West yeah. or something. It's All the right. New one. Yeah. 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 First yeah. Republic was a few weeks ago. All right. I see. It. Yeah. But anytime banks. banks are going under, I mean, you know, that's just not a good sign. Mm. You know, I remember I went to my bank in the, during the last crisis, uh, Bank of America is where mm-hmm. I banked. And I went up there, I had a safety deposit box. And I decided to get stuff out of my safety deposit box because I didn't want to get locked up in there if something happened. And my bank was closed and it had a sign on the door. It said, we're closed. Call us if you need to get in your safety deposit box and we'll set up a time. And I called them in. It took them two weeks to call me back. So, you know, I had my passport said, for instance, what if I was planning my trip to Barcelona <laughs> and like two or three, two or three days before I fly, I decided to go get my passport. Absolutely. And the bank's, the bank's locked up for two weeks, you know, well. Well, I've lost all my money on my flights. They're not refundable, probably. I lost my vacation. I'm not going to be able to go. Probably had non-refundable money in hotels or something, you know, all because I can't get to it. But I, I think it took me two weeks to get into the bank to just get in my, I wasn't even trying to get money out. I just wanted to get my stuff out of my safety deposit box. You know, so I had, not only did I have my uh, passports in there, I had my uh, wallets in there. I had a bunch of stuff in there I wanted to get. So... Needless to say, I don't use, after that time, I don't use safety deposit boxes anymore. So All right. I don't even think they're safe because I've already run into it. They're not safe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because when are you going to need that stuff in there? 
if you're keeping like your seed phrase in there or your wallets in there, when are you going to need it? You're going to need it during a crisis. Exactly. You're not going to be able to get in there. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. 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 So I, I think we have a much bigger thing going on this time, though, uh, than right. we did last time. Because we've already had this year, I think, the second and third largest bank failures ever. I mean, you know, the last, the biggest one was during the last crisis. But this year, we've already had the second and the third. I mean, um, it's pretty not pretty good. Pretty good. But no one seems to care. Everybody's just moving around like nothing's happening. Well, God, is that the way but, it is in Barcelona? Is everybody just acting like there's nothing wrong? Yeah, actually, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, the, huh? kind of this, it's kind of the same thing. But the here's the thing that... Uh, well, I can give you an example that but it's very specific, it's very from here, from this city, not from Spain, but, uh, you know, uh, most of the CPI of uh, Spain comes from Barcelona because this is one of the most uh, touristic uh, cities, I think, in Europe. Uh, and uh, so the, the economy here is stable somehow. Uh, because every year we have a lot of tourism, but then you see other parts of all the other cities in Europe, and they are struggling with the crisis. You know, even even here the prices. Mm, you, I, I think you, you see it if you live here, but now if you are a tourist, because the prices of foods are high, the, uh, well, basic needs are high. The, the our houses are are really high. The rent, you know, so um but everything's high everything's high everywhere yeah i mean everything's high i I don't know how people rent houses and stuff anymore to be honest with you there's a girl down the street that used to work for me she told me about her apartment it's just an okay apartment not a great apartment so okay apartment two-bedroom apartment and she's renting it for as almost as much as i bought uh, my five-bedroom five-bathroom with a pool house just 20 years ago Mm-hmm. And she's renting a two-bedroom apartment for almost the mm-hmm. same amount of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's great. When I heard how much she was paying, I was like, I thought I heard her wrong. You yeah, know? the apartments are expensive, like really expensive. Yeah, very expensive. And that, mm. and you don't have to be living in a big city to, for them to be expensive. Because where mm. I'm at here is not is is hundred two hundred thousand people, you know, and it's still expensive. You know, it's not like a million or two million people like New York or I don't know how big Barcelona is, but it seems like a big city to me. Yeah, um, it is. But New York is more, have... is bigger, but. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. I feel sorry for people. I feel sorry for people trying to like start out nowadays. I mean, yeah. 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 Maybe us yeah, boomers that's... ruined it all for everybody. I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't have much to do with it if I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm washing my hands. <laughs> no, yeah, kidding. but but I probably took advantage of any opportunities that were made available. Yeah. I think the boomers probably did. They probably made it easier for themselves. There's a big group of people going through the economy here in the U.S. So I'm sure they didn't make laws to, or change rules to make it harder for them to succeed. So Absolutely. Yeah, they, but they probably did screw it up for everybody. Yeah, that's why, well, we have one solution and we have to take uh, the chance and it's Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> that is the main yeah. thing that... Yeah, there is the way there to is fight. something out to help us. Hmm. But we need more education. That what that's why it's important. <laughs> and sure. uh, one of the thing, uh, another thing that I want to ask you, um, because uh, you know, I I love uh, history, and uh, one of the things that I actually also asked to Natalie Smolensky, well, she 
made like a small masterclass of Bretton Woods here about Bretton Woods one, two, and she talking, she talked about talked about that we're facing, we're entering to Bretton Woods three. So I want to know your opinion. Do you think that Bitcoin will uh, become a global reserve asset like it was uh, the gold in Bretton Woods one? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think that'll happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe some countries may. Um, I don't think the United States will anytime soon. Um, but I, I, I think that's a point that I probably don't do much thinking about because of my age. By the time that does happen, you know, I probably will be in a nursing home, you know, or I'll have a I'll probably have a house person to take care of me in my bed i mean i, I think that's going to be so far off that it's not going to be something i need to worry about um so i i don't think i don't think real gold's ever going to come back um, okay so i i'm gonna rephrase the question so what do you think uh the united states as a government uh what do you think is going to be the solution for what's going on right now what what do you think is going to be their proposal as a solution or oh, there's well, no I solution <laughs> Well, they have this, uh, you know, digital currency coming out. Um, see what this is. You know, my, my question is on that. Maybe you can answer it for me. Okay, let's say within the next year that comes out. Um, and they do away with regular currency and say, hey, you got to cash in your money and start using the digital currency. What happens to the rest of the world that uses the dollars? Do they all have to use, do they all have to use it too? Because you know, there's nowhere in the world you go that you can't spend dollars. I mean, I can go to Barcelona right now, and there's somebody who's going to take my dollars, you know, and they're going to say, "Hey, that dollar's worth this many euros," so they're going to take my dollars. So when that happens, is the rest of the world are they still using currency, paper money, but we only in the United States are using it, or is it everywhere? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but do you mean uh, the paper money or yes or yes? Yeah, when they go to that, will the rest of the world have to get a Fed coin wallet on their phone to spend their money? Because, mm -hmm. like, for instance, some countries, um, maybe Jamaica, for instance, I'm not sure about this, but mm -hmm. some countries, their money is the U.S. dollar. That is their currency they use. Mm -hmm. So but when this happens, does that mean that whole country also has to use the Fed coin? Mm -hmm. um, that because many countries, yeah. that's their currency for the country is the U.S. dollar. You yeah, know? actually, um, so that's a it, it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I don't understand. Does the Fed coin is only for people if you're living in the U.S. and the rest of the world can use paper money, or is it like the whole world almost have to go to, or half the world, or however many countries use the dollar? Do mm -hmm. they all have to go to the Fed coin? To to the CBDC. Like El, El Salvador used the dollar at one mm -hmm. point, didn't they? We that still was the use currency. the dollar. Yeah. So is that dollar still be floating around in El Salvador and being used? Or are they going to have to throw those away and get Fed coin? <laughs> That's a uh, good question. Well, but uh, let me give you a couple examples of what I think. So one yeah. of the things, one of the things, for example, I'm going from the countries that are in crisis and that I have friends. So uh, because they gave me some example. For ex for example, I have friends from Argentina, 
and you know the inflation there is like 100% or 102%. Yeah, so. it's off the hook. Yeah, exactly. So they start using or saving their money by buying dollars. But the thing is that last month, uh, they went out of dollars. They don't have any more dollars. So, uh, but before that happened, I didn't think you uh, could buy. I didn't think you could buy dollars in Argentina. No, no, right now you can't. <laughs> okay. Not anymore. Uh, so they are switching so to an alternative, and it's not Bitcoin. They are using the stable coins, uh, USD, USDT, for example. Uh, why they told me because uh, there's not like uh, volatility, you know. And uh, I tried to explain them the you know the, the terms of volatility. You use the circular economy of Bitcoin, but they need like a solution right now. So for them, you know, because they are desperate, and somehow this is the way. And so they are using that way. Um, and they use their their currency just to pay taxes or the bills, you know, that but the bills that are related with the government. So or right. the light, electricity, water, whatever. But and they aren't the, keeping their wealth in the dollars. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then uh, in the case of El Salvador, uh, yeah, sure, we could... Uh, Najib Kelly could, could have said like, yeah, let's do a CBDC, you know, uh, I don't know, a digital colon that it was our currency, the colon in the past before we we uh, adopted the, the the dollars. But that's why he implemented Bitcoin because he he saw in El Sonte that there was, I, I don't know if you know the story of El Sonte, but... Uh, but yeah, it, I think it, I do. All right. <laughs> so what happened in El Sante, Kelly saw it and he also was a Bitcoiner. So he thought, okay, this is a better solution than make a digital currency, right? So uh, in our case, that's that's the solution to use Bitcoin. And even we have Chivo wallet that is a, a government wallet that requires KYC. The thing is that in El Salvador, you're... You're not forced to to use the Chivo wallet. You can use whatever wallet that doesn't require KYC, you know. But if you have bitcoins, you can use Bitcoin. If you want to pay it with dollars, you can pay it with dollars. And I think here in Europe, for example, uh, they're trying to make their own CBDCs. So we're we're not back anymore uh, from dollars. We are back from thin air, <laughs> just like the dollar. So I saw I saw uh, that in UK. You can't spend more than I think UK it was. You can't spend more than a thousand in cash. Really? Yeah, I saw that last week. I think it was in UK. Yeah, the, if you spend more than a thousand in cash, it's against the law, or you got to report it or something. Could be because in other places, uh, for example, in Switzerland and in Sweden, um, like a couple of years ago, even before uh, COVID happened, uh, they're starting to use digital currency i mean they started to pay uh, not in paper i mean with credit yeah, cards I, and debit cards mm -hmm. so yeah and there's not and then there's only a couple of banks where you can cash in if you do get some cash yeah and only you know so it's not like you can go to any bank and say hey let me deposit this money there's certain banks you can go to it's limited yeah absolutely but I saw mm -hmm. I saw interviews with people from that country and they were like why would i want that paper money I don't even want it. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. Whenever I get some, I just throw it in the trash. I don't know what to do with it. Absolutely. 
So I don't know why yeah. they would accept it if they just throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question. That's why I always like to ask, especially, I don't know, people that live in the States because, uh, you know, you made Bretton Woods. So uh, that's why I, I was interested in, in your thoughts. Yeah, about... like I said, I, I really can't tell you. I, <laughs> I'm sure that you've got a good point there. I just don't really have an answer for that because I haven't done a lot of thinking. I don't think anything's <laughs> going to happen uh, yeah. soon. I don't think the dollar's disappearing tomorrow. Let me put it that way. I think the dollar's going to be here for a long time. It's too many of them in too many areas to just disappear overnight. I mean, Absolutely. And I, I'm curious, what is the... I don't know if you have ever thought about it, but uh, what had... What has Bitcoin uh, contributed the most uh, in your life? Have you thought about it? <laughs> I'm not sure if I understand the question. That um, if you if you have to think some highlights that uh, since you were in this rabbit hole journey, what are the most uh, hmm. important things that Bitcoin contributed in your life? Like for example, for example, in my case, was to really understand the concept of money and why the the governments are so run and how, and how the banks works. Yeah, I well, I agree with that. We spoke about it a minute ago. I think everybody mm -hmm. finds that out who goes into Bitcoin with any. I mean, if you just buy some Bitcoin and hold it and never you know, buy any more, you probably don't. Um, but if you really, really go down the rabbit hole, of course, that's a big deal. But, um, you know, I would actually have to say the biggest thing to me is, um may sound stupid to say, but the amount of friends I have made in the world of bitcoin i mean i know i mean there's not too many places in the world i can't go and post hey does anyone want to uh meet up and have a cup of coffee and talk about bitcoin that i don't have some people that reply and goes hey i'd love to meet you gary or something um you know like you I, you even said a minute ago when i was in barcelona let's do a show i mean mm -hmm. I, i have someone um who in uh portugal in Lisbon, um, I met I met this girl. I was at this at this small mining conference. Let me restart the story. I was at a small mining conference about a month ago, and this student there comes running up to me. She's about 20. And I'm just walking down the hallway, and I go, she goes, excuse me, excuse, are you Gary Leland? And I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, I'm so-and-so from Portugal. And I said, oh, nice oh. to meet you. And she goes, my mom is a big fan of yours. And I said, oh, okay, um, I'm surprised you know who I am. You're only 20. And she goes, would you mind if I took a picture with you and send it to her? And I said, sure. So uh, um, she took a picture to send to her mom. And I said, well, I'm going to be in Portugal. I'm going to be in Lisbon. And she goes, oh, she lives like an hour from Lisbon. And next thing I know, uh, this person who has um very uh, interesting person to meet, I would, I would like to meet her wherever I was, um, messages me and says, hey, I live uh, outside of Portugal. I would love when you're here to uh, have coffee with you or something. I said, sure. So being, I already, I'm going to be in Portugal like four days and I already have a Bitcoiner I'm having uh, coffee with. And she told me about her town. I had never been there before. And uh, so I looked it up and I was like, wow, this looks like a great place to go. So I plan on going to where she's at. Matter of fact, spending a day and having coffee with her. So I would say that's the biggest thing that is... Uh, Anywhere I go, 
I know a lot of people like in Miami next week is the big Bitcoin conference. Absolutely. Um, and so I get up pretty early. That's just something old people do. Our sleep is screwed, you know. Um, maybe it's just because we aren't active enough. I don't know. I walk a couple miles every day, so I feel I'm kind of active, but maybe we're not active enough, so we don't need as much sleep. Early every morning. So whenever I go to Prince, I plan a coffee for the morning. You know, because I'm going to be up. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be drinking coffee. Might as well go to a coffee shop and talk about Bitcoin. So on Friday and Saturday morning next week at the Bitcoin conference at the 8 o'clock in the morning, both mornings, I posted a meetup to join me for coffee. Well, morning, I think 150 people have already signed up to come have a cup of coffee with me. So, um, like I said, uh, just knowing all the people, and I know so many great people. I know Michael Saylor now. I know Max. Kaiser and I mean I know so many great people that um I've met because of this journey that I would have never met otherwise, you know. So absolutely that would be I, my number one thing is the friendships and the people I've gotten to know. I think absolutely. that's really more important at a point in life. You know, when you have no money, you know, that's really important to most people to get some money. But once you get some money, then to some people I guess it's more important to keep making getting more, but I think the average person, once you get some, then it's relationships and experiences. You know, like with my kids, when they give me presents, I'd rather have go out to eat with them or go to a baseball game with them or do Absolutely. something like that than, than have a present, you know? So Absolutely. I think experiences and people are really the most important things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I, I totally agree. And as you mentioned, actually, since I started uh, this podcast, I, I have met... Uh, everyone is an amazing amazing people and you actually, meet, and you meet great people too they're not they're, they're pretty much bitcoiners are pretty much great people i mean they all have the them. same goal and they all are pretty straight shooters with each other and yeah. um you know if if a bitcoiner tells me i mailed him something and he doesn't didn't get it i believe him because i've never had one that i think has ever said oh i was going to scam gary and get and say i didn't get something and get another one for free so um yeah, Bitcoiners are good people all on now. Can't say that about shitcoiners necessarily. They have a different attitude in life. Uh, yeah. They're just out to make money. Where I think Bitcoiners, yeah. I think the average Bitcoiner, like I said, I I I I know they want to make money. Everybody does. I mean, let's just face it. Ninety percent of the people want to make money, but I think Bitcoiners want to make money, but they see that they can help change the world. So that plays a big part too. Yeah, I want to make some money. Maybe I want to spend that money. Maybe I want to leave that money to my kids, but I can also be part of changing the world where I think shit corners just want to make some money. Exactly. They don't care about that change in the world part. They're going, ah, that's all bullshit. I just want to make some money. So exactly. that's the difference between a shit coiner and a Bitcoiner. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the thing that uh, we want to change the world because we have we have seen uh, because of Bitcoin, the, all the failures that have the... Uh, the human history, I think, <laughs> because we have done it pretty bad in, in this in these past years, and uh, and unconscious in our time. So I think we are going to start wrap it up. So maybe I'll, I will ask you two more questions, if that's okay. Uh, yeah. And one of them is uh, imagine because uh, this is the first season of the of the podcast, and imagine that there are newbies is people that are starting to their journey and their rabbit hole journey about bitcoin so 
if you can explain them, what are the benefits um, of using Bitcoin compared to the, well, we call it a, the fiat money, but the traditional currency system, basically? Well, the biggest benefit is um, that no one can tell you what to do with your money. I mean, if you want to buy something, I don't think it's, unless I'm uh, buying something to harm someone else, I don't think anyone has the right to tell me what I can buy and what I can't buy personally. I mean, you know, if I want to spend my money on something, I shouldn't have to get approval. You know, if I want to go down to the bank and pull out a certain amount of money, they might ask me what I want the money for, actually. Why do you want to pull $10,000 out of your account? You know, yeah. what, what are you going to do with this? Well, it's none of your business what I'm going to do with it. Well, I shouldn't even be asked. No one should even ask me what I'm going to do with it. It's my money. You know, um, you know, and the bank only has so much money on hand. What happens is they want to go pull out more than they have on hand. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they don't have all the money everybody's ever deposited there sitting mm -hmm. in the bank in cash. I mean, I don't know what the cash is, but the same story goes back to the Bank of America story I told her earlier. Uh, when when COVID hit, I told my wife, I said, hey, you may want to go down and get 10 grand out of there just to have some cash around here. And she went and they said, well, we can't give you 10 grand. We can only give you $3,000. My wife was like, what? It's my she money. Came, she, yeah, it's my money. That's what she said. And technically, I don't think it is your money when she put it in the bank. But yeah, exactly. Uh, she, yeah, she was like, that's my said. Well, that's all you can have. You can come back tomorrow and get another three or maybe it'll be more. Maybe it'll be less tomorrow. I don't know. But you can have three today. So she took the three and came home and told me that. And I was not surprised at all. So. So that's another reason that Bitcoin's good. I mean, when you really, if there really is a problem that arises with the banking system, well, you're not going to be able to get your money anyway. So it's a lot better to already have control of it. So, you know, the problem is most people today in the world are used to using banks and they're used to having someone take care of them, them and their money. They're not used to being their own bank and, uh, being your own bank is a great power. Um, but as Voltar said, with great power comes great responsibility. And uh, most people are not prepared to take that responsibility of being, putting money in their own wallet, of making sure it's secure, and doing these steps necessary to be your own bank. Because like I said, that's a great power, being your own bank. People just don't realize it. And they're unprepared for that power because it is a responsibility that comes with that power. So those are the reasons people should start dealing in Bitcoin. It's your money. You can do what you want with it and you have it when you need it. All right. Perfect. All right. All right. And I think my last question is, you know, we're starting, uh, as you mentioned, the season of conference. So which conference are you planning to go this year? Besides the well, big I'm going to. Yeah, well, I'll be a bit like boom for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that's matter of fact, when that's over, that's why we go to Europe for a vacation. I need a break after that week. Um, but I, I'll, I'll be at uh, Miami next week. Um, right. I really, that's not my favorite conference by far, but mm -hmm. it's a, I do see a lot of friends there and uh, it's a good opportunity. They have a lot of um sponsors and stuff and it gives me an opportunity to approach sponsors about coming to bitblock boom so i definitely mm -hmm. be at that 
I like Pacific Bitcoin's a good conference. The guys at Swan have done a good job out yeah. there. I was there last year and they did a great job. That was for their first year. They did a great conference. Mm. And I'll be, that's in the end of, it's in October, I think. Yeah, I think it's Which in October. Uh, Sir Dunn? No. Um, no. Pacific. See. Pacific Bitcoin. Ah, Pacific Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's in October. It's September or October. I think it's October. Um, so let I, me check I, really quick is uh yeah it's october five and six okay. so i'll be at right. that and uh also i'll be at unconfiscatable in vegas uh tone base oh, okay. put that on and i think that's maybe the first uh week of december not sure about that but that's um the ones i plan to hear I told Max, I was trying to get Max to come, Kaiser to come to Bitblock Boom and speak. And he said he'd come to Bitblock Boom if I came to his conference. But I don't think he's had a conference yet. So unless he has a conference, if he has a conference, <laughs> I'll go to that. You know, I'll I throw think... that in and I'll go to El Salvador so I can get his butt over to Bitblock Boom. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I don't know no. if he's had it set up yet. Uh, well, I think he will go to Adopting Bitcoin. That is the conference that is currently in El Salvador. I, I hopefully, I. But he I told hopefully. me I would he would come to my conference if I came to his, and that's not his, so I'm not counting that as his conference. Mm, yeah, so yeah, I don't know if true. he has something in the works or what's going on. But if he has, I bet that is going to be a good one, and I want to go there. <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, it will be cool. Okay, Gary, uh, thank you for your time. And let me know when you oh, come to Barcelona. It. I love it. Too. Oh, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah have... like I said, it'll be September for sure. Um, All right. Yeah, I'll touch base with you. I'll try to touch base with you and let you know when I'm there. September I think I'm is... there for five uh -huh. days, maybe. All right. All right. And September, is it's a good weather because uh, we're almost starting uh, summer and the heat is really high, like 40 degrees. Celsius. September is a good time to travel because school's going on and there's no kids anywhere. That's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in school. So it's always a good time to travel. That's true. That's true. All right, Gary. Uh, I wish you a very good day and also success on on your big boom, big block boom uh, conference. And uh, I hope to see you here in Europe soon. <laughs> so and go to El Salvador. Go to El Salvador. Yeah, you know? yeah <laughs> I, I definitely, like I said, I'm definitely going down there for the having party next year. Right. So I'll be there for that, if nothing else. Perfect. And try pupusas. That's that's my <laughs> my advice. Okay. <laughs> All right, Gary. Sounds Have good. a nice day.